Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by our good friend, Jada Edwards. Y'all, we laughed hard. We cried so hard we needed a box of Kleenex to be brought to us. (laughs) And overall, this is just a really solid episode. You're going to love it. Let's go. Okay, so... 15 people on a sofa? No, on a sofa. (laughs) That would work. (laughs) 15 people in a living room was your church. That was our church, yeah. We we had done singles ministry for a while at our previous church, and the Lord told my husband, apparently, that we needed to start a (laughs) church. And when he told me, I remember saying, "Mm, I think you need to go back to the Lord, because (laughs) I just had fear and crazy scary stories about church planning life. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. This it is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And it took me a couple of months, I think, to get on board. And we asked a couple of friends who had been in ministry with us. And they were like, yeah, we'll come with you. They were crazy. And How, so They were crazy. They were, yeah, they we're crazy. crazy too. Let's yeah, go. we're all crazy sitting up there. How many years ago was that? This coming September will be 12. So we launched wow. officially around September 2008, seven. Somewhere okay, yeah. I don't do math either. It's I fine. don't get on math. I uh, talk. Yeah, know, words, words, and, words, words. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I agree. But yeah, and so it was over the course of those years, like every six months, something was happening. Either we were adding a service, or we were changing locations for four wow. years. It was like we were in a hotel. Like who comes to a church in a hotel? I yeah. do for I three and a half years. Does. Yep. Yeah, but we didn't. That was just foreign to us and honestly in the African-American context that is rare like they want a building like that is they don't go to church and hotels I mean that's rare it feels strange well and even Amanda for you it's a temporary until you can find a location I hope so yeah you know it works out fine but it's I grew up going to an old you know church building with stained glass and a pipe organ yeah and so when I think of church buildings, that's what I think of, even mm-hmm. still, even uh-huh. though that's been 30 years ago, right. you know, right. I showed my age there, but <laughs> if <laughs> she's only 30, you were one. So I'm only 31. I have a very good memory of my first year of life. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, I get that. So, but it's also the blessing I think of meeting in an unconventional place is that it really does it has taught me that, you know, the church is the people. The, yeah. In, like, we are the church, mm-hmm. and the Absolutely. building is the building. But I do think there's something so beautiful and reverent and sacred about those spaces they and having, having a space. Yeah. And then you get to have a history in the space. So yeah. you're in, like, your own building now. Right. Okay, so we so were after. in the hotel for three or four years, which, interestingly enough, those are really fond memories that we look back on because— we're like, gosh, I remember when we had to be there at five in the morning and get the U-Haul from the storage. Yes. So there's this building kind of acts feel to it, like the church is growing yeah, and we yeah. don't know what's going on. So that has been an exciting thing. And I think my husband is such a builder by nature that that is like energizing for him, which is why I think now in 12 years we have four campuses. <laughs> so, That's but amazing, he likes that Jada. because the new campus for him is like another church plant, you know, and he yeah. he's a builder. And so he creates a lot of energy around that. Our church loves it. Like our church works hard. We have crazy like 70% volunteer rate. Like our volunteers wow, run wow. everything. We have a very small staff and our volunteers run everything. They are just builders, workers. And so it's a... 
It's a vibe. It's yeah. a vibe. It's a vibe. Well, yeah, so it's the way our church, it's kind of our DNA. You, so You're a vibe. Like, you work oh, hard. You do. And Girl. we've known that, we learned that about you the first time we met, that when you started telling us, in a just very casual tone, do you remember this? She's yeah. like, yeah, I do a Bible study at my church for women. and Which is about 1,500 pa- people. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, pa- go back to I do a Bible study at my church. In ministry, the women who do ministry like we do at the level that we do, I think that it is rare to see them also serving locally. And I think special to see them serving locally mm-hmm. and right to see that not only are we serving the capital C church in whatever way we feel called, mm-hmm. not feel called, are called, mm-hmm. but also to not forsake the gathering of the people and to not yeah. forget our neighbors and not to forget to serve our church. And Jada, mm-hmm. I think that's something that, I mean, we were at, I think we were probably at some Lifeway event mm-hmm. speaking or whatever. Yeah. And I just, that was probably one of the first things that made me feel like I like her mm-hmm. because she serves her local church and that is her first ministry. It's, you know, it's kind of everything yeah. for me. And I, and this is not any self-righteous judge. It's nothing of that. It's just that, I really believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that yes. Jesus works with yes, the local ma'am. church. And I think you can't just do itinerant speaking. Like, Mm-mm. because I don't have anything to say, honestly, unless the Lord has already given it for me to say to my people, yes. to our church. And then I go, oh, this is a thing in our culture. Mm-hmm. So then I say it when I go out. Like, And I think it keeps me humble mm-hmm. because when you're talking to people every week or every two weeks, you can't repeat anything. You can't have Mm-mm. your one or two things that you teach all year. You know, you, they're like, we already heard that. No, so you're going to need something fresh. That's right. And yeah. so it's good for me, but I feel like it is a privilege to stand before the same people uh-huh. who get to see is she really living this out? And yeah. They get to see me in the grocery store and they see me in the hall and they see me at church and they get to see up close and personal to make sure there's not a discrepancy in what I'm saying from the platform and what I'm right. living out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the church is everything. And mm-hmm. even these big things. And, you know, I love some of these big gatherings that we do, but they're the most powerful when those leaders are driving those people to their church. Because you can't conference once a year no. or twice a year and be discipled. And, and be all filled church. up right. until next yeah. year. So, yeah, I think. Local churches, everything. Agree. And that's something that we've been passionate about from day one of Shiri's Truth is like, we are not your church. We are the church Mm -hmm. with you, but please don't forsake the gathering of believers. Like, read the word, yes, between Sundays. And we're here for that. But go and read face to face with people and be in ministry. And And I love that your public ministry, as in like speaking, writing, Bible study, curriculum, stuff like that that's published and that comes out of, you know, that comes out of your daily service in your church Mm -hmm. and not the other way around. And it reminds me of when we spoke with Scott Sauls, Mm -hmm. Rachel's pastor, Mm -hmm. because I was like, Scott, you're like a content machine. And he was just like, I just, I mean, he essentially said like, I think he drew a picture. He drew a picture and he was like, I do my Bible study and then it turns into sermons and then that turns into like blog posts and books and stuff. Like that's But it all comes from one Right. Point of study. Yes. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that so much. Well, this feels like such a natural segue into the reading for this week. So we're in, what week are we in? I get lost, Rachel. Five? Week five. Week five of Women and Men in the New Testament. And we are essentially talking about the early church. The early church. The yeah. first local churches. I think this is not a mistake, even to the point where I think we were a little intentional about 
saying like, where do we want to talk to Jada? I think we want to talk to Jada in week five because this is, this is good stuff. It's Jada, church stuff. The last time I heard you speak, I said to Amanda, I can sleep better tonight knowing that women like Jada Edwards are in Aww. the world preaching yeah, the gospel. So and she didn't like just that. say it one time. I, I, <laughs> she, I heard her say that like three times that night. It's true. It's it true. But when we talk like Second Timothy chapter four, and we talk about the itching ears, and we talk sound doctrine, mm-hmm. girl, you love sound doctrine. Girl. And anyway, so I know that we're not supposed to be talking about Jada right now. We're supposed to be talking about scripture, but mm-hmm. I just can't get past how grateful I am oh, that you love the thank word. You. Well, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons that we. So full disclosure, it was not an accident that we assigned you the week that includes Paul. <laughs> He's my dude. I I mean, we we haven't spent a ton of face-to-face time with you Jada, but we knew that. Yo. Mm-hmm. He's my guy. I really yeah. I really like Paul. Yeah. Well, for a couple of reasons. The non-spiritual reasons is that I think I resonate with his temperament. You know, his yeah. communication style. He's I can see very, that, yeah. He is. He's directional, direct. He's like, listen, you know I love you. I'm not about to sandwich this with sugar. Mm-mm. Get your life together. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of generally, I think, the way I communicate. And he loves hard, you know, and he's like, yeah. and because he he had his own not so great time with God, you know, and God just snatched him up. Even the way God checked him and saved him was fitting to who he was. It wasn't yeah. a sweet, you know, just come to me. You know, he was like, get your, what are you doing? You will, right. I, I've, I have seen this long enough. That's enough, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, oh, wait, what? What's happening? You know, and he has this crazy Damascus Road experience. And then in his experience, like he starts converting people immediately because he's just retelling the experience. Like he had to tell that a couple of times in the book of Acts. And then he becomes the best New Testament author, you know, mm-hmm. of, of right. outside of the Gospels. And so, and his passion is just, to me, unparalleled. And yeah, so right. I just love it. And I just finished a study on Galatians. And I love that he uses words like, you're foolish. <laughs> right. And who bewitched you? Yeah. And like... Anathema. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, what is wrong with y'all? And so he's, I think that he just goes so hard for the Gospel mm-hmm. in an uncompromised way. And it's not... Uh, condemning or self-righteous, he's saying, I lived my life against the gospel. So I already know the danger and the harm in that. And we just can't have it. We just cannot have it. And so I love it because he is like snatching your kid out of the street when you see a car coming. It's like, I love you. It's not a sweet. It's like, hey, you know, hey, this is dangerous. dangerous. Yes. Yes. I, I feel like I've heard you say at some point something to that effect about your kids and obedience. Like... If you're obeying, that just means you're safe. Oh, yeah. I said that last night. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> my kids always want a treat. Like every yeah. day it's become a thing. I gave them a treat one time 20 years ago. And now they're like, <laughs> oh, mommy, can we have a treat? I'm like, for what? <laughs> what? I mean, you're just obeying. That's like normal. The, actually, these things that I ask you to do are for your good. Right. And, and they're expected. They keep you alive. Yeah. I'm not going to reward you for picking up your choose right for saying just think, yes mommy that just, just means you're safe it just means you're not disciplined <laughs> right you're, yeah. you're good you know so we were laughing about that i think that was everybody's takeaway last night they were like i'm gonna talk to my kids about treats <laughs> so, yes, you're like you there was them. more to that you're but, right, right. yeah but fine it's fine right. yeah so yeah i love him and i even though he's direct and kind of to the point you still see the pastoral side in him because he's like i just want y'all to get this right and do you understand how critical it is. And so I think I love him because 
He has a sense of urgency about the gospel. And when I look right. in our culture, I think, and even in our churches, I think we're just kind of lax. Like, hey, the gospel's cool. Mm-hmm. Can help make your life better? Yeah. And Paul's like, no. Like, the gospel is life. The, the gospel is it. Like, yeah. it's the only hope. You know, you don't mix it in with your good thoughts and your good ideas and your good mantras and your positive vibe. You don't mix it in. It's just it. And right. so he's like, that's it. All or nothing. And so I think in my teaching passion and I think probably my style can sound like that because I have to make sure I don't sound like, you know, angry (laughs) (laughs) because I'm just like, it drives me crazy when I see people who are like our culture. Anyway, we need the gospel and we think we don't need it. We think we need positive thinking and we think we need goals and purpose and vision. And those are great. But. Only after the gospel is where you're starting. They're not foundational. They're not foundational. And so it just... There's one foundational truth that is life-changing. This is the proof that you relate so much with Paul, that you're like, when I preach, I have to make sure I'm not preaching angry. Angry, right. Y'all. Are y'all crazy? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So I love Paul. Beautiful. I love him. It reminds me of the conversation we recently had about Mary and Martha. It's like Martha's serving and striving. It's like the things that she was doing in that story that we all know about the Martha, Martha. Mm-hmm. You're anxious and troubled like about Martha, many things. I love because she gets stuff done. She got stuff done. Okay. Well, you can Mary just had kneeling around. time because the house was clean. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I just want to say, let's not all just judge Martha. Okay. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm going to need to write that down. Mary had kneeling time because the house yeah, was clean. She wasn't kneeling on Legos. Okay. That's yeah. Martha cleaned up. So let's just not judge. I mean, we need our priorities right, right but I don't want to just judge Martha. Right. And the, but the point wasn't the things you're doing are bad. The point was. I am your necessary thing. Right. One There's thing a is greater necessary. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it wasn't, I think we're very quick to dismiss and say like, oh, I can't do all those things. So it, it, it's great yeah. to, yes, to vision and goals and, you know, personal betterment or whatever, you know, yeah. all of that's great. I want those things. I'm not a naturally very disciplined person and I, you know, I don't love that about myself and I try, I want to be better that way. And so I can err on the wrong side. I would err on the side of like, I'm just going to kneel on the Legos. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I can clean those up. Yeah. But, you know, and it's not about balance. The, no, no, the no. moral to that story is not about balance. No. The moral to that story is Jesus is the thing. He is the thing. And even when I look at, I know one of our, the people we're looking at is Stephen. And I think yes. about, yeah, I'm like, What's worth dying for? Yeah. You know, and I don't know that I have a financial plan or, you know, a marital improvement plan or a parenting plan or yeah. a health and wellness plan. I don't have any of those things I want to die for. You know, right. I'm like, I'm trying to lose 10 pounds, but if I don't, I'm like, I still want the cookie. You know, so I'm just right. like, I'm not going to kill myself for it. So it's just, so when you think about the value of life and that, Jesus modeled the way, obviously, with his obedience, that this gospel is worth life. Like, it's that important. It's that important. And that in God's grace, you have life here on earth to try to bring people to the gospel and add to the kingdom of God. But in his wisdom, it's sometimes the ending of a human life that is what takes Mm. the gospel forward. And I just, for the Bible to show us many times, you know, that that is worth it. Yeah, that, yeah. That tells you the weight of how important it is, yeah. you know, that it's worth a life, mm-hmm. you know, so. It is, and that's, you know, there's a sobriety to that statement, you know, just like a, a somberness that this is, it is that important. Yeah. And that our God is so faithful 
and good that he takes the darkest things that can happen in this life, which is often the end of a life, and that he can, in his grace and wisdom, redeem that and create, mm-hmm. you know, eternal life from that. And and isn't it kind that we can learn that from Paul and we can yes. learn that from Stephen right. and we can learn that from Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. We've got a thread here. Yeah. We've got a common thread. Absolutely. And, There's a theme there. And when we're talking about, you know, Paul's got this personality. Stephen wasn't Paul. Mm-mm. Mary and Martha weren't Paul. Mm-mm. But what we're learning is this is all about Jesus. Yeah. Right. This is all about the gospel. None right. of them were Jesus. Right. 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 Yeah. Like right. they're... We can have our favorites, and it's fun to kind of read through these stories and hit, you know, different people in the New Testament and be reminded of their stories or read them for the first time. But they all point to Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, even even those that we love and admire. Um, yeah, they're not our hope. Right. Sure. Speaking of Stephen, I was just floored in reading the story this time. First of all, how well he knew the scriptures and the story of God's people. To yeah. stand yep. up yep. and rattle off that <laughs> entire history, you know, starting at Abraham and going through Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, this the is golden seven. calf. Yeah. Sorry, yes, it is, mm-hmm. Acts 7. But the thing that just really floored me is when we get to verse 54, when they heard these things, because his mic drop at the end of all of that is verse 53, you receive the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. Or actually back at 51, you stiff-necked people with <laughs> uncircumcised hearts and ears. Mm. You are always resisting Mm-mm-mm. the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. And so fast forwarding to 54, when they heard these things, I'm reading from the CSB, They were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So pause. He saw Jesus. Yeah. How? I don't know how, but the words. And I feel like Jesus was like, yeah, that is my boy. And you know what's coming. I've been there. I've been there. And to have the solidarity and camaraderie of Jesus himself. Hello. In that moment. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to say, and how do we know that? How do we know that that's what he saw right before he died? But then I just realized that the very next verse says, <laughs> he said, Yay Bible. Look, Yay Bible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Word of God. Yeah. Verse 56, he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the mm. right hand of God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then that just, this is what I just couldn't take. What they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle they it. They could not. It. Like the truth was so good. They just couldn't. And and here's the thing. The Jews with Jesus, they had to go through the right channels. Like, we know we can't crucify Jesus, so they took him to the government. Mm-hmm. Like, please crucify Jesus. He's got to die. Right. And they should have done it here. And they should have done it here, but they were so enraged yeah. that they bypassed the system. That's yep. how mad they yeah. were. And this is what it says, verse 57. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered, covered their, their ears, ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged, I mean, like it brings tears. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against, against them. After saying this, he died. 
like unreal. And I love that the word starts that story by saying, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, because all of that, all of that is the spirit in Stephen. That was not Stephen's flesh saying, Lord, forgive them because Mm -mm. I'm so much better and bigger Mm -mm. than them. I'm going to be the bigger man here. Forgive them for stoning me. No, that was the spirit of God in Stephen. And it's so... Just takes you back to the words of Christ, you know. Just forgive them; they don't know what they're doing. Like that's the gospel. The gospel says that when I'm wrongly accused and when I'm attacked, my life is on the line. I still love you more than what you're doing to me. Because here's the thing about it: the reason why it's so important is worth a life. God is making me weepy. (laughs) Is like Stephen's death was the jump start for Paul. Yeah, you would have thought Stephen was my best friend. I didn't know him, I promise. <laughs> Jeez. That's so okay. it's just like how... What it, a detail. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like didn't have to be. Feet, yes. And how much of a building block was that toward moving Saul's heart? Right. Because God was right. like, I'm going to get you. Right. Watch um, this. I, yes. I want you to see this. Does this really feel good? Is this really yeah. you know, what you wanted? Right. And it sets up, you know, because God does things before he checks us. He's slowly moving our heart toward he is, you know? And so anyway, good I know, but that is like, that is the power of the gospel. And that's the thing, Jada, that you, you don't stand up and preach yourself and preach, be a Christian like me. You stand mm-hmm. up and preach Jesus yeah. mm-hmm. and teach these mm-hmm. women how to read scripture and how to find Jesus in scripture and how to let scripture inform who we are and our hearts and not just who we are of like, how do I want to live my life? Right. No, like the core of our existence. It's not how do I want to live my life? It's what do I want to live for? That's exactly it. I'm sorry for pointing at you so aggressively in the face. I receive it. That's exactly (laughs) it. And what, what is worth dying for? Yeah. Is it worth giving everything? Because it's not the financial plan. It's not. Listen, and here's the (laughs) thing about it. The true gospel is not popular. No, it's not. You're right. The only thing that can be popular is a convenient, compromised Softened. version of that. Yeah. The people who hated it, they just had so much anger toward it because it was such a check on their hearts. I think it's so interesting that it says they were angry, but they covered, they their, covered ears. their ears. I think about a toddler who's just like, I know I shouldn't be mad, but I'm mad, and I don't even know why I'm mad, and I. It's just like I'm mad at myself for being mad. I'm just right. mad at me. It wasn't even like a confident, we're about to go in. It was a burst of emotion because the gospel is so controversial. So you cannot, you cannot have a goal and a hope to want to have hundreds and thousands of followers and be popular Mm-mm. and preach the gospel. It's going to conflict. Yeah, Everybody right. didn't follow Jesus. So it's like if people are not coming for you, if people are not bothered, and I don't mean offended because you're rude. I mean, if the truth that you're saying always gets an amen and always gets a clapping, something's not right. If it's not getting under someone's skin, because the truth gets under. It makes people crazy. Yeah. And they have to decide, am I going to yield to this enemy that wants to draw me into this darkness, or am I going to snap and say, Jesus? Right. Yeah. Because right. that's what it is. Yeah. Every We've had our moments when we came to know the Lord. And if you grew up in church, it might have been gradual because, you know, you yeah. you think you're saved when you're six and all right. that stuff. So it's, but you've had that moment, whether you got saved as an adult or grew up in church, you had some defining moment mm-hmm. where you heard the Lord kind of saying, 
you don't really do this. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're a church girl or a church guy, you probably already knew the way to look like a Christian, but you had that internal moment that people might not know about where mm-hmm. he's like, are you going to really do this for me? Mm-hmm. And maybe you got saved as an adult where your moment was more distinct because you literally had a day and night there shift. There was a Paul Saul But whatever situation. it is, there's something in you that had to die, like had to completely not say, hey, Jesus, come sit next to me. It's like, I'm going to the back seat. You run this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jesus is great, but that yieldedness is not a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the, oh, it's not a party. That's the thing. I think you're right that if our outpouring is not ruffling feathers, you know, like ask that question, yeah. like why, why not? Yeah. But I think also if what we're receiving is not ruffling our feathers, because right. for every single one of us, there are inconsistencies between what we believe and how we live. Yeah. Even now, even as believers, especially now. And so if the things that we're digesting never ruffle our feathers, never convict us, then we're going to the wrong place. We're probably not going to scripture. Right. Right. And this is controversial. So y'all may have to take this out later. But let me tell you, (laughs) we don't preach politics from our our pulpit. But there are a lot of people clearly who do not like our current president. And when we get up there and talk about Romans 13, and that all authority is from God and loving people. And you don't have to like them, but you will respect. And that one day my husband said, whoever it is you don't like right now is in power. They're going to be a forgotten name in 100 years. Yeah. Only Jesus is going to last. Yeah. He said you had great grandparents that didn't like a president. You know, right. the, the way this we're acting new. as believers, not yeah. just this current president, but the last two or three political terms, it's just brought out the ugly in people for right. either side. In the church. And can I tell you how many people that angered? That we were just oh. not like, this person's bad, this person's horrible. Like, that we were preaching the gospel. <laughs> that we were saying, <laughs> first, hey, we're you don't have gospel. to like yes. this person. Right. But you still have to represent Jesus yeah. when you talk about your views. You cannot equate your view to the Bible. It's not a spiritual principle. It's a preference, right. you know. Or you can't be so slanderous and demeaning of a person in power. Of a human. Even if you don't like them. Because this is the gospel. Right. The gospel doesn't it preach ha- that. It has made so many people so mad and I was like I'm sorry y'all it is what it is they'd be like well don't you agree I don't even have to discuss the merits of this person that's separate what I think about right this person and their decisions because we could also discuss the merits of me or you or anybody yeah yeah and so I'm like okay we know that our hope is not in any office right Hmm. you know our hope is in Jesus praise the Lord for that it has because that's so true it created a divide and that's when when you're teaching that love yeah and that love is it's cool when it's Good for me. Mm-hmm. Right. The gospel does not always feel good to you. No. Yeah. And so when we're, it's just what you said to Rachel, if what we're reading in scripture only makes us feel warm and fuzzy and feel, you know, comfortable, yeah. mm-hmm. I would challenge you to read more of scripture mm-hmm. and in bigger swaths so that you can yeah. get the fullness of, because I'll tell you what, I don't want warm and fuzzy. Like warm and fuzzy is a greeting card that doesn't, you know, it's nice for the moment that you read it. Yeah. But I, I need truth that, what's the word? That slices like a double-edged sword. Yeah. And yeah. that like that pervades That doesn't every, feel good. doesn't feel good. But that brings real hope yeah. and real change. Yeah. And it demands a rec- This story about Stephen, truth demanded a reckoning right then. Like oh, yeah. it, their encounter with Stephen brought them to a crossroads and they couldn't. Yeah. They, just couldn't they couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that we can't also 
and we can also go to scripture for comfort. Oh, sure. For encouragement. Sure. It's yes. not like it should always hurt when yeah. we come to scripture. No, you're yeah. right. Yes. And so we'll even that out by being yeah. clear that like there are scripture is useful for, yeah. as Paul said, right. teaching, rebuking, correcting, and yeah. training in righteousness. But we also see throughout scripture and throughout like our own personal experiences, the yeah. comfort that we receive from Christ yeah. and the hope that we receive right. and from reading stories of men and women who found comfort. Yeah. yeah. The same and, comfort. And, and, you know, conviction is comforting too. It is. It's yeah. kind yeah. of like you might, a kid might say they never want discipline. Yeah. But, man, that discipline is love to know that somebody That's says right. you got to be to bed at a certain time. You can't have that friend. You can't. When you, I do a lot of stuff with foster. I mean, we work with a lot of foster organizations and stuff. And, man, that thing, they say they don't want that, but they reach a certain age where they realize, oh, there's kids whose parents make them eat certain things. I wish somebody cared bed. about me yes. enough. Yeah. And that's why the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Because right. even in the saying no and when the Lord is telling me to hush my mouth or apologize <laughs> or whatever, I'm like, that ain't cool, Lord. You know I was right. He's like, no, you actually weren't right. <laughs> so, But I feel like, Lord, that you stay on me, like mm-hmm. that you're constantly right. challenging me. You're not like, oh, she's hopeless, whatever. Yeah. Like that for me, the conviction is comforting as well, yeah, that yeah. God loves me enough to want to constantly refine me. Yeah. That's effort. And not that God exerts effort because he's perfect, but there's still something intentional about that, that he's not saying, when you get saved, then just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, no. Now I'm going to guide you. Now I'm going to sharpen you. I'm going to constantly realign you. Because you know what? Jada and Rachel and Amanda, guess what? I could have left Jesus here. So, and we could have just done a big altar call to salvation. But you know what? Decided to use broken men and women mm-hmm. to actually be me, to yeah. actually represent me on the earth. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. So he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I got to sharpen you, refine you. But that's because I expect much of you yeah. right. of giving you power like I kind of want you to change the world that right. spirit is no joke it's like when no we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the way that the spirit was with Stephen yeah and yeah. those words and with Paul yeah. and I can't help but go to Philip which is also right. in this week oh, that story is about the Holy Spirit that story yeah. is I mean it yeah. starts what Acts 8 an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip get up and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza yep and so he got up and he went. And then, it, like, again, it's going, you know, there was an Ethiopian official. He was a eunuch, la, la, la. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. And the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. So Philip ran up to the chariot. And it goes all the way through this story. The yeah. spirit yeah. is the one who sends Philip, oh, who helps Philip explain Isaiah 53. And then even as the eunuch is convicted and learns and understands, he says, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And so then Philip gets to baptize this guy. And then it says, when they came up out of the His water, journey. the spirit like, of the Lord carried Philip away. Yeah. Spirit's like, here, there you go. Um, I have I'm like exclamation points next I mean, to that. Yeah. The spirit story? of the Lord carried Philip away. What's Whose story mean? is that? That's the Lord's story. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that great? I really want to know more about the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I I think the Spirit of the Lord needs to carry all of us away sometimes. I know. It. Sometimes I'm like, just bring me home, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I love, the thing that I love about, one of the things I love about this story is when the eunuch says, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Amen. Yeah. And I thought, what a question. What would keep us from Jesus? What does keep us yeah, from yeah. Jesus? You know, there's... And to look at those things in this way of like, why? 
because you get the sense that he's like, why wouldn't I? You know, and to see, because all of this that we're saying about Jesus and the gospel is true from scripture. And what's also true about Jesus is that he is beauty. Yeah. And he is beautiful and he is captivating. Mm -hmm. And that with all of that conviction of the spirit and that, you know, just kind of the way that the word cuts us open and Mm -hmm. and just changes, radically changes our lives. You know, there's also Romans 8. Mm -hmm. There's now no condemnation. None, Mm -hmm. none. And so, you know. And I think you have to, man, that's worthy of our words. It's worthy of talking about it, saying something. These people were talking about the words and the truth that came out of their mouths changed generations shifted moments, but also generations. Even I'm reading the end of Philip and um, it says that he ordered the chariot. So he said, what will keep me from being baptized in uh, verse 36 and 38? He says, so he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I would kind of like that floating situation. (laughs) Not sure what happened there. And it says, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. And the eunuch was saying, Philip appeared in Azotus and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns. Like the Bible always shows us that when a life is significantly changed, they got to talk about it. Yeah. It's the woman at the well. It's Paul. It's the Samaritan. It's like, I got to tell someone. So you cannot claim a transformational gospel and be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. So I really believe it, whether you're, you don't have to be called to some platform or ministry. No. Mm-hmm. If every individual who was transformed by the gospel talked about that more yeah. than their kids, more than their fitness, mm-hmm. more than their <laughs> aspirations, more than their promotions, more than their career goals, more than their church even, mm-hmm. what would the world be? Yeah. Just to go uh, on your way mm-hmm. preaching Mm-hmm. And teaching and mm-hmm. telling people, not every scripture, you don't have to know all hermeneutics. You don't have to know every single thing in the Bible. The gospel is what Jesus did in your life, Yeah, mm-hmm. how the good news changed you. And so I just think it's so powerful that there's not a coincidence that whether it's Stephen, whose life ended because of what he was saying, mm-hmm. that was probably instrumental in catalyzing Paul's ministry, then feel like people have to say something yeah. Yeah. when your life is shifted by the gospel. Hey friends, Hannah here. I just wanted to hop on and say thank you for tuning into this podcast. It is a joy and a privilege to share this space with you as we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. If the She Reads Truth podcast has blessed you as much as it has blessed us, we want to know. You can tell us by leaving us a rating or a review right here in the podcast app. As always, thanks for joining us in our mission to be women in the Word of God every day. Now let's get back to the show. The other thing I love about this story is how personally, not just Philip was involved in the Holy Spirit, but like how personally the Ethiopian official was met because he's, first of all, he's reading Isaiah 53. And Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, verse six of 53 is, you know, who will describe his family talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what a connection as a man who is a eunuch. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the question. Like he will not have a family because, you know, Jesus wouldn't have a family. This man would not have a family. He was kept at arm's length from God. He wasn't even able to go fully into the temple because of, because of who he was. And then even, I mean, because Isaiah didn't have, surprise, Mm -hmm. Isaiah didn't have chapters and verses at the time. So, you know, even all the way down to 56, which actually is 
kind of the additional reading in the study book for that yeah. day. Chapter 56. What verse is it, Amanda? I think is it four three? And, yeah. Three four, and four? Five, somewhere in there. Also, the Ethiopian official was reading, no foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his Ugh. people. Then the eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better, better. than sons and daughters. Better. So that good. is what. So when the Holy Spirit said, hey, Philip, pay attention, go approach this chariot with yeah. this fancy man and ask him if he needs any help because you can see that he's reading a scroll. Yes. And so Philip does, and that's what the man is reading. Yes. He's reading, I will give you something better than sons and daughters. He's reading about Jesus. He's reading about and the he's, And so Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I unless someone guides me? Mm. And that's where he, like, everything is different. Yeah. I always say God does one thing us. for a million reasons. Yeah. It accomplishes. He needed to change Philip. He needed to do something in Philip. He needed to bless that eunuch. It just, it was... That God knows the insecurities and the things that you're worried about. And he's like, I've got something for you. I can yes. meet you in that. Something specific something, for you. Yeah. Oh, he is, so good. This struck me in Tabitha's story this week, too, that how God is a sovereign story writer. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, and so this story is in Acts 9. And in verse 36, so it's, it's a short account. Mm-hmm. And we don't know much about Tabitha, but here's what we know. In verse 36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Mm-hmm. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About the same time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, don't delay in coming with us. Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs, and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. (laughs) Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body said, Tabitha, get, get up. up. And she got up. It says she opened her eyes, saw Peter and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. He called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Thanks be to God. She was already a person that her neighbors knew. Yeah. Right? right. Because she says she was always doing good works mm-hmm. and acts of charity. She had made robes made and clothes, clothes for people. For people. Mm-hmm. And so what strikes me about this is that Tabitha was an evangelist mm-hmm. before her life was even changed. Because the way the Lord wrote her story mm-hmm. is that he had been connecting her with people and she had been influencing and loving and caring for people. And so then when her life is literally resurrected (laughs) by the Holy Spirit through Peter, then of course people would know and take notice because they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, that was Tabitha. Yeah. And just how specific that story is, it's incredible to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about your first ministry being at home and in your neighborhood. Right. And all of those things, that's Tabitha. And we're so in this, you said it a minute ago, Jada, that we, you know, we're in this culture that prizes platform and that is so not the kingdom of God right? because that's just, that's not the way that God's economy works. Not that he can't work through platform. He does. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It is not required. Like, you know, this story also, you know, the spirit 
of the Holy Spirit who is in Peter, that is the very power of God. Mm -hmm. And so that is the power that brings forth life and resurrection and transformation. Mm -hmm. And so it's not up to us. That transformation is not up to us. Right. And so my call is to be faithful where I am Mm -hmm. and in the sphere I have and to be faithful in my home, in my friend circle, Mm -hmm. in my local church, in my work. And then it's God who takes that and creates his church. Yeah. I think the people impact of that, what you're saying is just, you can't gloss over that. And and people impact is not going to always look like a crowd gathering to listen to you speak or a lot of followers on social media. It could just be people who say, man, I remember when she made this thing for me and she made it with love. Like she, she impacted my heart, you know. And And it may only ever be 15 people in a house. Yes. Right. And that's fine. And most of the time it isn't. Have a great church. Like (laughs) I think that we, the internet fools us into believing that this is normal, that it's normal to have followers and a beautiful Instagram feed and some sort of public ministry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or public life on display, but that is not the majority of the way no. that the Lord works. No. You know, no. like I feel like if we could have Look the to eyes to see, right. see that, that mm-hmm. yeah, that that's just not usually how it goes. No. And I think about my mom, like my mom doesn't have any social media. Um, <laughs> she doesn't have social media followers. She's mm-hmm. not a speaker. She's not an author, but what she is is a person who eye-to-eye contact with everyone that she Mm. meets. She knows their names. She learns about them. She remembers them. She prays for them. Mm -hmm. And that woman's influence, I dare say that if you put it up next to someone who, you know, like I as her daughter, like I have, you know, a platform and Instagram followers and stuff, but she doesn't want to be like me. I want to be like her. Right. Right. I want to use my everyday ministry of just being a person who's been changed by the gospel, like you said, yeah. just talking about yeah, it, yeah. Because talking to people. the personal impact, like as you said, and I was reiterating, it just, it cannot be minimized because I, I believe that there's a reason that God and all his sovereignty and Jesus with all his power did not float all over the whole world during his ministry. Because he, he could have. Mm-hmm. He could have. He could have said, I'm just going to save everybody. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the first big screen. I'm going to go to kind of get a few thousand feet above the mm-hmm. earth and just hover up here and teach my gospel. You know, mm-hmm. he was like, no, I want to walk places and I want to sit yeah. with people and I want to break bread with people. And I want to have sometimes very long conversations with people, sometimes repetitive conversations with these <laughs> disciples. Oh my gosh, how many times do we have to talk about faith? Mm-hmm. And so there's a reason for that because not just what Jesus did, but the way Jesus did it right. is a model for us. And all of these people, even though Paul is, Again, one of my favorite people, like he's written all these great letters and had this great testimony. There's still weight to his relationship with Timothy and Barnabas Mm -hmm. and like people who, even when they weren't perfect, it wasn't just, oh, let me write these letters. It was like, he's pastoring churches, but I'm walking with people. I'm discipling. I'm, I'm pouring into individuals, you know? So I think that the personal touch cannot be minimized because the gospel changes people it doesn't change yes. like uh public personas and it you know it doesn't change the masses at one time it changes individuals when right. when person to person 
says, here's what God has done yeah. in my life. Here is the truth I have for you. And we can get great encouragement and great conviction from the platform. I love of it. Course, I, it's a yes. privilege to get to speak and teach. But I tell you, there's something about a friend or my own quiet time where very often the Lord may use a person that I admire or follow on a platform only to reiterate something he's already said to me, you know, in my personal time in his word or something a friend has already shared with me and he'll go, see, I'm trying to tell you, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's not the only, that's not the primary way that I think that that God wants to speak his truth to us. You know, it's a great, Jump off point is kickstart maybe for something you're doing or it could be a, a confirmation, but it can't be the primary way because you're not around those people enough right. for, those, for that to be the primary way that you get truth. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus chose specific people. Jesus chose individuals to yeah. follow him mm-hmm. and then and to know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was not it was not accidental. Right. This is what I intentional. Yes. And this is what I love about this reading plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Women and men in the New Testament. And we're not covering all of them, but, and we're not even covering the most Mm well-known or all of the unknowns, but just to see that every individual story is about a person Mm -hmm. and a transformation or an encounter, but that all of those stories are about Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just, it has been such a joy to just continue to dig in. And we didn't even get to Thomas. I know we love Thomas. Yo, I had breakfast with Thomas this morning, which sounds crazy. (laughs) But I sat down this morning and read and kind of rabbit hole about his story, read the scripture first, mm-hmm. and then kind of ended up finding myself what I thought was like a Charles Spurgeon devotional, mm-hmm. which ended up being just like the intro to a very long <laughs> yeah. Spurgeon sermon. Mm-hmm. But it was just fascinating to hear all these little things that hadn't occurred to me about his story. Even just the like, you know, Jesus appeared first to 10 of the disciples, 10 of the 11 remaining disciples. And Spurgeon starts with, don't forsake the gathering of believers. He said, yes, Jesus will meet with you individually, but go to the places where Jesus most commonly goes Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. there. Don't miss it because if Jesus is going to show up when those people are together and don't miss it. So I don't know what Thomas was doing. I'm sure he had a very good reason for not being in (laughs) attendance. This morning, it occurred to me for the first time that a week had passed. It was like a Sunday to Sunday situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that the other thing that really stuck out to me that was really beautiful was that Jesus was so patient with him. Mm -hmm. It felt like a leave the 99 and go for the one Mm -hmm. kind of a moment. Mm -hmm. I'm just going like, it's great that the 10 of you believed. And honestly, Thomas, it would have been wonderful if you had believed without seeing Mm -hmm. because you have every reason to believe. Right. Not just because before I died, I told you that I was going to rise again. I was going to come back. But your 10 comrades Mm -hmm. who you have every reason to believe their testimony, Mm -hmm. you didn't believe it. Right. So Thomas, he had every reason to believe. And he said, no, the only way I'll believe is if I in a sort of a gory way, mm-hmm. if I like touch the nails and put my hand mm-hmm. in his side, mm-hmm. like it's not even like if I just see him for myself, but I got to touch him. It has mm-hmm. to be a flesh and blood moment. And Jesus is so patient with him. And mm-hmm. he appears to Thomas and just like whatever you need mm-hmm. to have the assurance that I am real, right. whatever, if I will feed you meat, but if you need milk, I'll give you milk, yeah. whatever amount of faith that you have, I will meet you there because I care about you so much. Yeah. And then Thomas ends up being this like beautiful, I don't know, like proof of the resurrection Mm -hmm. to us as believers, because the 10 that saw 
you know, they surely had, you know, the promise and then they saw him in person. But Thomas doubted so much. He was so skeptical Mm -hmm. that we have this guy who had every reason to believe and still wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And now we have like his faith as well. And we have Jesus say, you know, blessed are those who have seen and believed. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. better things yet are in store for those who have believed and not seen. seen, Right. I I, I used to think, too, that I think growing up doubting Thomas was like, I mean, he's just so like a Martha, you know, yeah. he's got a yeah. bad rap. And I get it. I do because, gosh, faith is really what God is always challenging the disciples on, challenging us on. But I think there's a reason that God in his perfection of writing scripture doesn't omit that, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes I'm Thomas. And I, yeah. I hope to be like the 10 sometimes, but I know a lot of times when God is saying, go do that, say that, write that. I'm like, are you sure? Can you give me six signs? <laughs> right. Are you sure, Lord? Because I want to be able to say, oh, yeah, when the Lord says go, I go. And you're like, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. But most of the time I'm like, I need to see it and touch it, Lord. I need you to, can you give me some evidence? And he's like, it's all right, babe, girl. You're not the first. <laughs> right. And I, so I feel like. We do want to aspire and continue to sharpen our faith and stretch ourselves to just go when God says go without the details, without the evidence. But there's also the reality that in our humanity that there's going to be times where we just really wish God would give us like four affirmations. And yeah. God, could you also let it be in a worship song? And can it be the sermon? Like, you know, and, <laughs> and could you like, put this a, is the eighth time I've told you. And could you this. also just put a dry fleece on my front could yard you? after it rains? <laughs> right. That and would really be great. He, that might not be the end goal that he has for right. us. He wants faith for us. But he's like, but wherever you are on the journey, yeah. there's yeah. people that were close to me that I loved and cherished that didn't always have good faith. And this Peter that raised Tabitha from the dead, this is the Peter that I had to deal with, yeah. uh, you know, being using uh. profanity with my name. And so come on. It's, so I find a lot of connection and yes. relief yeah. in the Pauls and the Davids and the Peters and the mm-hmm. Toms. I find that because that's me. Right. More of my life is going to resonate with where they failed uh-huh. yeah. than where they succeeded. You and know? in so, every one of those stories, what we see is the enduring patience. Yes. God's like, okay. okay. I know where you are. Just come on. John twenty twenty seven. This The way Jesus posture toward Thomas in this, it feels so patient and loving. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Mm. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Yeah. And Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. And I love in our reading for this day, we have Hebrews 10. And I just praise hands my way through this when I was <laughs> reading it earlier in verse 37. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, Mm -hmm. but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. And then verse 39, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Mm -hmm. And even that faith Mm -hmm. is, is a grace. It's mm-hmm. grace. It's a grace and we all from need the it. one who, you know, he didn't even have to ask in Thomas's story, like Jesus already knew. And he was that just he needed like, to hey. see. Yeah. Yeah. And the statement that Thomas makes is not an insignificant statement. No, it's a profession right. of faith. When he right. says, my Lord and my God, you see that in Psalm 35, mm-hmm. you see David saying, my Lord and my, my Lord, God. Yep. This is an Old Testament way that we talk about one thing. Mm-hmm. We talk mm-hmm. about I am. Mm -hmm. And so Thomas would have known that. He was a Jewish man. He would never have used that language Mm -hmm. for anything short of God himself. Right. Right. And so that statement Mm -hmm. is really significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. I love it. And I think it's an encouragement for us. 
again, I go back to this. He was one of the 12. (laughs) So he had walked closely with Jesus. Yeah. Knew how this thing was going to play out because Jesus had told him. Or at least had, had heard how it was going to play out, whether yeah. he got it or not. And he still struggles sometimes. And I think sometimes we're the 10, and sometimes we're Thomas, and sometimes we're Judas, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're all of these facets that Jesus knew from day one how they would all respond, and he still asked them to follow. Even in Judas, there's a story in that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just think that God is so intentional in Scripture even if you feel like the Tabitha, where you just got three sentences in the word about you. So I just feel like all of it's intentional that throughout scripture, through these readings, you find facets of yourself yeah. in all of these people. And God knew exactly what he was doing and yeah. whose story needed to be in there and what needed to be in there. Because you're going to have a moment where you're like, I'm yeah. that person. Yeah. In all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, guys, we have opened our Bibles and we have talked about the beauty, goodness, and truth we yeah. have found there today. Amen. Let's look around. Where are we seeing beauty, goodness, and truth right now where we're living? I'm seeing some beauty in Jada's sneakers. Do you like my <laughs> Jada? They're Guys. real cute. And listen, I, they were on sale, and that automatically makes things cuter, I think. I think so. Oh, well, that makes it <laughs> They're goodness. They're fantastic. That makes it goodness in addition to <laughs> We got to put a photo of those up in the show notes. I mean, they're so good. They're so busy. My they're husband was like that. Looks like something you would buy. I love it. Jada's, you got a style and I love it. It's okay, so your good. husband is like my husband. I was wearing leopard print leggings yesterday and Amanda sent Ryan a photo and I said, Ryan, are these too loud? You would tell me, right? And he just kind of sent like a series of gifs. Yeah, yeah, so good. So it's fine. What about you, Jada? Uh, let's see. Aside from my very yummy acai bowl this morning, it was that looked so good. The Lord is in it. I'm yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. He created all that <laughs> stuff. Only the Lord can pronounce acai, so we're right. fine. He created all of that, and the right. person who thought to put it all in a bowl together. That's right. That's With right. Bananas. That's in beauty. So, so good. Hummus. There's beauty and truth and goodness in the people who lovingly slice up that fruit. To That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know what? I find it in simplicity. Honestly, I find it in things like this. Just conversations. Yeah. They stir me up. They get me excited and remind me of just the goodness of God. It makes me go, yeah, I need to be talking about this all the time. Mm-hmm, you know, right? it's just what else is there? It's amazing how natural and just fun it is. It is. Like, it's so encouraging. Talk about scripture. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. I love y'all. Well, oh, it's been so fun to have you here. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Rachel, do you have anything that we need in our life before a, we go? It's incredibly deep. Oh, good. I hope it's something to go on my Amazon cart. I'm just always... Oh, it's not. Oh, shoot. I had a a stack of pancakes this morning that renewed my faith in pancakes. Oh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I... Sorry. Like, yeah, guys. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, because I'm a bit of a pancake like We do like the Bisquick shake and pour at home. I do love that. Which is not classy, but boy, is it tidy. It's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And we've even stooped so low as to buy like the frozen pre-made pancakes that you can just put in the microwave. Oh, I don't think that's stupid. Are they a little styrofoamy? No. Well, you know what? I said no, but I actually haven't tasted those because they gross me out. So I assume my kids don't. And your kids won't care because all they care about is They don't know better. They want more sugar on top. Yeah. No, but the ones I had this morning, they brought my plate to me and it was surrounded by berries. And then there was like a little syrup on the side, but they didn't bring butter. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust them. And so I just like had a bite of the pancake without any syrup, without any butter. Mm. And I was just like, now that's right. That's a good pancake. And then the waitress came. She's like, I forgot to bring your butter. And I was like, oh, I was. (laughs) Anyway, it was fine. But I, yeah, I had breakfast with Thomas this morning. 
and in really good pancakes. <laughs> and speaking of show notes, I am linking that sermon because y'all are gonna. If you want to really go on a deep dive about Thomas, you're okay. Go read. I'm it. also gonna link some frozen pancakes for the rest of us who <laughs> do eat frozen food in their homes. Sorry, no judgment. If I you mean, do. I understand. I mean, we do. We do. Okay, we, but there are some that we eat often. And Eggos, guys. Eggos. Everything's fine. My children, if it was still good, I don't know that they were ever good, but they're fine. <laughs> not and to when, mine. You're, when you're a You'll child, be that is the most used mother phrase in the world. You're fine. It's You'll be fine. fine. You'll be fine. I it's acknowledge fine. your emotions and also you'll be fine. And you're fine. Yeah. Just oh. please get your coat. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. We can talk about it later. Just, <laughs> just don't let your kids hear this. Con- if you don't tell your kids, that Eggos aren't better. fine. Right. They, they, they there is fine. so much like devotional fodder here. They love <laughs> it. I'm sorry. They love it. This is not um, a parenting discussion. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Do what you think is best. Guys, listeners, friends, hey, thank you so much for hanging with us for this hour. This was a favorite. This was so good. Jada, thank you for loving God's word and being so fun to talk to. Thank you guys for And wearing fun me. sneakers. And wearing fun, fun sneakers. sneakers. <laughs> Y'all. Okay. Hey. You know what to do. We are in week five right now. Go read these stories this week. Be a woman in the word of God every day. We've made it easy and we can't wait to read along with you and join you. This is going to be a great week. You don't got this, but guys, he does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't got this. That's the the truth. Hey, we're going to go. But until you hear from us again, Amanda, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. Bibles.